one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Hey, everybody. And welcome to the Howling Salt Mine podcast. I'm your host, Sam. And as always, I'm joined by my one co-host, Mike. Say hi, Mike. Hey. And the reason why Tony isn't here is just because he's not here. He's traveling. He hates us. Yeah, he hates us. He, he quit the cast. No. No, he didn't. But we are joined by our special guest co-host, Pat. Say hey, Pat. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show, Pat. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, we've mentioned you a couple times uh, on this show. Very astute listeners will remember your name from when we talked about your Urza deck. And oh, gosh, yeah. Gosh, I, I don't know what else we, we mentioned, but definitely the Urza deck. <laughs> yeah, for like the first four saltiest cards of the week all showed up in the Urza deck. So we we're like, oh, yeah. I've seen Pat play this card. <laughs> he has since come apart, but um, <laughs> if we ever do like a battle of the salt, I'll be sure to put it back together. Ooh, nice. Oh man, that would be a reason to open up the old YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be good. Battle for the salt. That'd be amazing. Like you saying the old YouTube channel as if like we used to use it, but it's gone. <laughs> Breaking the brand new YouTube channel. Yeah, pull the wrapper off the YouTube channel and really, really get it going. So, Pat, since you are one of our guests, we have this long honored tradition of a single episode <laughs> of asking our, our guests questions. And uh, they're very simple. Our first one is How long have you been playing Magic? When did you get into Magic? Yeah. So, I, I played a lot of Magic back in my high school days uh, Gate Crash, Dragon's Maze, mm. that era. I played a lot of Limited, a tiny bit of Standard, and just my like high school magic club mm-hmm. but around so 2018 i believe it was around the time iona was banned in edh i got into it for the first time because <laughs> a great I, time to get in <laughs> yeah i think I, I literally learned about edh just from all the discourse about the banning and i was like wow i wish i'd been able to play this deck before it got banned <laughs> and ever since then i think i've been kind of pulled towards uh like stacksier saltier lists mm. yeah um i've been Amazing. back into magic seriously for like three four years for all the listeners too pat and i used to play like sneak like lunch games in in the high school cafeteria or like in between races we would be like playing under a boat (laughs) don't think i want a single one of those games boat races (laughs) playing under a boat yeah playing (laughs) under a boat no no more context needed none none needed at all everyone knows what you're talking about yeah everyone's played magic under a boat before and if you haven't you should try it Well, your talk about stacks rolls perfectly into our next question that we ask, and that is, what gets you salty? I honestly think the things that make me the saltiest in EDH are just like player behavior things. Mm. Um, I play a lot of local games at LGSs and stuff. Mm. and um, The Wild West. (laughs) Yeah, just I honestly just like when conversation is light and... um, the gameplay is like relatively casual unless you're playing for prize support. But in terms of gameplay, I do 
really hate it when I get targeted just for like the deck I'm playing, especially if it's like a higher power table. Like I'll pull out something like Rurikthar and people will be very upset at me. <laughs> Shocking. Shocking. So good. <laughs> I love Rurikthar. It's great to have you on too, Pat, because we often don't have um, Tony, Sam and I, we don't play a lot at LGSs. So it's cool to have kind of that perspective on it a little bit too, because we're definitely missing that, uh, that experience to some extent. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of fun, but um, you definitely meet a lot of colorful characters. Well, I have some posts about some colorful characters. Not really. <laughs> oh, wait, shit. I need to say, hey, if this is your first time listening to the Howling Salt Mine podcast, what we do here is we go into the minds of the Magic the Gathering subreddits and we haul out the saltiest posts. We are looking for you know, all those posts talking about salty moments in the game. And we're, we're bringing them back up in our mind cart and sharing them with all of you. But Sam, how might one describe salt? Oh, hmm. so, I, I miss Tony already. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question, Mike. A very unique question as well. Uh, one I've never heard. Salt is, salt is that frustration that you feel when things aren't going your way. Or when you're being unfairly targeted, uh, you know, maybe someone's dropping down a card that is really screwing over your strategy and your deck is just becoming null and void and you're doing nothing turn after turn. Maybe your mana screwed and you kept a bad keep with your mulligan and you're just feeling like a doofus and you're getting salty at yourself. Maybe someone dropped a Thassa's Oracle in a casual game and you're just raging super hard. <laughs> salt is all of those things. You know, salt is... Salt is when you're getting tilted and frustrated and, and just kind of, you know, becoming a little bit aggravated at the table. And it's a spectrum too. You can get a little bit salty or you can be like fully brined, you know, swimming with pickles, getting really, getting really salty. All right. Well, why don't you hit us with a post? Let's hear it. I would love to hit you guys with a post. This one comes to us from the EDH subreddit. And this is from user OKChart9320. And if you guys see OKChart9320 on the subreddits, give them an upvote. Spread some goodwill. And this post is called, Is Whining Legitimate Emotional Politics? Mm. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> well, I have, an, I have an opinion already. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. And the post says, Unfortunately, I cannot add a poll on this Reddit, but leave answers and I'll tally myself. Is whining, complaining, crying, winging, etc. a political tool? I've seen these things cast redirect for free without a single mana or even a card. I've seen whining have the same effect as Master Warcraft. I've seen rational arguments do the same, but no one in my group complains about someone pointing out, well, it looks like greater good is the big baddie here. So all in all, is emotional manipulation valid tactics in EDH? Because it certainly seems effective. Oof. I, what are you thinking, man? I want to start with something that was said towards the end of that post, which was just sort of saying out loud that you view a card as a threat. Is that considered whining to you guys? Like if someone plays a piece of a combo and someone mentions it and says, oh gosh, that's something to watch out for. Do you view that as someone is whining? I only think it's whining... It, it really is all about like kind of this delicate balance of like tone and intent, but mm -hmm. I generally think, no, I think pointing out a threat is okay. I think this is maybe more like, Oh, 
don't target me. Ooh, don't attack me. You know, like not really a reason. I think the defining characteristic might be there not being a reason for that to be the changed effect or whatever, but it is the outcome someone's looking for. Yeah, I think there's kind of two things that uh, user OKChart9320 is pointing out here. You know, this is maybe too broad of a generalization, but there's emotional politics and there's rational politics or rational logical Mm -hmm. politics, whatever you want to call it. And pointing out uh, that there's a bigger threat at the table is an example of that rational politicking. So saying like, hey, looks like greater good is the, the big issue on the table could get a spell redirected off of one of your cards or one of your permanents. But at the same time, to this user's point, no one really complains about that. That's just part of the game. But if I was like, I'm not really having a good time and you're targeting me, and that also gets the spell taken off of me, <laughs> you know, that the end is, is still kind of the same outcome, uh, but obviously a different, a very different way of going about it. I think this is a place where playing in a play group and playing in an LGS can also be a little different because if I were playing at a Sunday at a friend's house and maybe we had six, seven people all rotating in between games, if someone's getting upset in that setting, I think I'm much more likely to take it a little easier on them, even in a competitive setting. Whereas in an LGS setting, I think it is in your best interest to keep your head down and not bring too much attention to yourself because I've found in most scenarios, the most talkative players get taken out first. (laughs) Man, I'm screwed. (laughs) (laughs) I think that also, like you were saying, Pat, like with the group where, you know, I think there's a little more emotional credit sort of if someone is, you know, for multiple games getting targeted and they're sort of just expressing like, uh, are you for real? Like I'm getting targeted again. You might be a little more patient than if it's just this random person at an LGS who's like, uh, I'm getting targeted where maybe they've had that experience for the last three games, but you haven't seen that, you know, you're just exactly for this one game. I think it's a valid tactic. As the post says, it sometimes gets your way just the same as rational discussion. But I think it's just way more likely to leave a bad taste in your mouth. And so if if your goal is just to have fun, you're risking that. Looking at the title of the post, it says, is whining legitimate emotional politics? Mm. And I think that term legitimate is kind of a, an odd one because, yes, it does work. It is like a valid tactic that you can do, but it kind of brings up the question of like sportsmanship a little bit Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of not not that people are trying to emotionally manipulate others in those situations. Truthfully, I think when most people are whining, it's very genuine. Mm -hmm. I think they're feeling Mm -hmm. like, I think they're feeling a little salty in the moment. Something is not going right. And they're like, man, everything fucking sucks. You're targeting me again. Like this is bullshit. Like, why aren't you targeting this person or that person? And, you know, it does tend to shape things. And I will definitely do this with our group. You know, if I'm seeing like Tony or Nick having a really bad run of it in a game, I'm not going to kick someone while they're down just because, because that's my friend right there. But to your point, Pat, at an LGS, you know, it is a very different environment. Maybe one where you're not even really having those conversations. Yeah. I think if you rephrase this headline question, to instead, should we be encouraging players to whine as a tactic? 
Like, I think it very rapidly, obviously becomes like a, no, we should not encourage players to do that. (laughs) But sometimes like you just have that, you're just salty and upset and you're going to go for it and you're going to complain. And I think that that's allowed, like you can't restrict people's behavior in that way, but I don't think we should necessarily encourage people to, to seek out doing that as a tactic. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think for the uh, overall salt rating on this one? I think the real question here is let, let's answer the question. Is whining legitimate emotional politics? Mm. Yeah, let's start there. I'm going to go with yes, but I think in almost every scenario, the better way to take it is, especially as someone who plays a lot of decks that often get hated out. If you take someone taking away one of your pieces very well and kind of quietly, I feel like the attention often gets diverted because mm. in EDH, everyone is playing really cool cards all the time and someone is eventually going to drop something that takes the attention away from you yeah i think my answer is yes but please don't do it at my table (laughs) (laughs) come on mike i can't believe you'd say that (laughs) no (laughs) yeah i i would say yes but sparingly and it works better with friends Mm -hmm. if you are constantly whining about every single thing that gets removed it's like the the boy who cried wolf at a certain point i'm just not going to give a shit And at a certain point, you're just so annoying that I want to remove your stuff Mm -hmm. now and get you off the table. (laughs) Yeah, that can't be seconded enough. (laughs) If I know I'm going to get someone a little upset about something, I might just be a tiny bit more likely to remove there. That also goes with friends. Like if, you know, if Tony's feeling salty and every single time I play a spell, he points out how my board state is so much better than his. I'm going to, you know, I'm going (laughs) to. I'm going to go after him every time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, should we go to the the next one then? Yeah, let's hit another one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is a good one. So, you know, we we record a lot of these in advance, listeners. So some of these posts are from from a a while back. Uh, But a few weeks ago, we reached out to the Magic TCG subreddit and the EDH subreddit looking for salty stories. And we got some pretty good ones. And we've been sharing them, kind of sprinkling them in with some of our our episodes. And I have one right here that I really liked and I, it, it kind of hits a few different things. So this one comes to us from user OKCauliflower7364. Okay, if you guys see OKCauliflower7364, okay, you know, give them an upvote, spread some goodwill out there. And the comment says, in my salty story, I might be the villain. I was playing in a three-person commander pod and each deck was wildly different. I was playing Super Friends, One person was playing Infect, and the third person was playing Gruul Beatdown. My start was pretty slow, and I convinced the Gruul player that she should focus on the Infect player instead of me, because he could kill us both with just 10 damage each. I provided her support when I could, and she dropped that guy down to 15 life. He did manage to deal her nine poison counters, and both had taken shots at me, but not enough, Uh and I managed to build a decent board state. Gruul realized she needed to deal with my board, and agreed to take out some of my planeswalkers if Infect player would leave her alone. I warned her not to do it, but she didn't listen. She came at me hard and took three of my walkers. On my next turn, I played an Evolution Sage, played Mm -hmm. a land, and chose her as the proliferate target. She was not happy, and she (laughs) let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As soon as I put the pieces together of super friends and infect like being two players i knew what was happening to that third player (laughs) you're a step ahead of me (laughs) 
Yeah, that's that's brutal. I don't even think, honestly, doesn't sound like anyone's really the villain there. I love the practice of if you attack me, bad things are going to happen to you. And then they attack you and then bad things happen to you. That is just like the most justice served moment. And (laughs) any salt that I receive after doing that, like following through on a on a threat that I made, I just I soak that up. I live for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because we talked about in the previous post, we talked about, you know, logical politicking, uh, like pointing out other things on the board, other threats. We talked about emotional politicking. And this is kind of a different sort of politics. It's kind of like a a bit of a threat, a bit of blackmail. You're like, hey, um, don't do that. And the reason why you shouldn't is because a bad thing will happen to you. You know, sometimes that is a bluff, but those are the best ones that you can answer the mail on. And uh, kind of put up that front, like, I keep my promises. And my promise sometimes is to retaliate against you in, mm-hmm. in a strong way. <laughs> yeah, you need to be following up on people removing your cards. Yeah, I, definitely. I think once we lose that part of EDH, it will have truly lost everything. Because I find there a lot of times people try to make the games a bit too much like bumper cars. Mm. And when the person said, oh, I might be the villain here, as soon as you got to the, the part where the other player had nine infect counters, no, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of work has gone into that. I, I feel as though that is a perfectly legitimate time to remove someone. <laughs> yeah, at that point, it's just low-hanging fruit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, looking at this story, I don't really think there is a true villain here. It just sounds like optimal play and mm-hmm. a promise kept. Yep, he saw a line I didn't. <laughs> also, you're going to almost always be salty if you die to poison counters. So I think you, <laughs> that's just unavoidable on that. Yeah, on definitely. that uh, the gruel player, you can't you can't help that. That's still on my bucket list. I haven't died to poison counters yet. I, I don't think uh, I don't no, think I, I definitely have either, have. but if I had, I would be mad about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that is also an interesting thing is that like looking at this story it's not really that salty. I mean, you know, the user here is feeling a little bit of the salt from the gruel player because clearly the gruel player was not expecting to get knocked out in that way. And, and, and that can sometimes, if someone is very salty to you, sometimes you look at yourself and say, did I do something that was like salt inducing in that moment? And I think infect, even at its most benign, is always going to make people salty. There's like a connotation with infect and poison counters where people think they're broken. People want the rules changed to be like, you know, 15 or 20, whatever poison counters, you know, it's just this very like heated topic Mm -hmm. where players generally hate it and some players love it and people hate those players. (laughs) I I have this theory that it's, it's honestly somewhat the thematics of it that make people hate poison. Like I think as a mechanic, people probably wouldn't care, but there's something about getting poisoned that just feels (laughs) grimy. It feels toxic and like I'm rotting away. I don't know. I I think that if it was recast as like joy counters and, but then when you hit 10, you died, (laughs) you died of happiness, (laughs) you died of happiness. I think people would feel differently about it. (laughs) That might be. I always compare it to commander damage, right? Because it's such a similar mechanic where it's like, hey, there's this other way of winning. You got to get someone to a certain number of points. Usually it's through damage. Obviously, infect and poison can be applied in other ways. But it just seems like this thing 
that like people don't really complain about commander damage. In fact, it's extremely weak. And in fact, generally speaking, is pretty weak. You have to connect. I mean, you know, someone's dropping triumph of the hordes and giving out trample and infect. That's obviously going to be powerful, but hopefully the game is over at that point anyways, right? Yeah. Is that really the main difference between commander damage and infect is infect is more I think more often than not feels like a surprise win mechanic. Like it will come at you with a line you didn't see, or it will be one shotting you. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Honestly, I think a lot of infect woes have to do with one particular card, actually two mm. particular cards. One is blight steel Colossus. Obviously a blight steel when that's coming down, it's like massive. It's indestructible. It's got trample. It's got an effect. It can deal enough to you when you still chump it to kill you because it's an 11-11. And then the other one is Tainted Strike. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say Triumph of the Hordes, and I was so ready to piggyback on that and say Tainted Strike is underrated. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. So for those who don't know what Tainted Strike is, it's an instant spell. It costs one black, and it simply says target creature gets plus one plus oh and gains infect until the end of turn. So this is a one mana instant especially in an EDH game, you can pop it out on anyone's creature. You get a nine damage attacker coming through and about to hit somebody, throw Tainted Strike on them. Now they're 10, it's poison damage, and that player is dead. Like It is such a gotcha card that I think that that between Blightsteel just being OP, expensive, kind of glamorized as this crazy mm -hmm. card, and Tainted Strike being this just this like coming out of nowhere loss, I think that's where a lot of that comes from. The other one, I guess, would be proliferate and just slowly seeing your death tick up and come at you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Attracts the players, represent. Good old contagion engine. Yep. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do we think for the, uh, the salt rating on this one? I'm going to go surprisingly low here. Um, I don't think there's almost any salt at all. If I were cooking a dish with this amount of salt, I think I would. I would get yelled at. <laughs> no, where's the flavor? <laughs> I completely agree. You know, I think this is a pretty low salt post. I do have to give some props to OK Cauliflower here, just because I love posts where people are like, I was the villain. I made someone salty. I just, I just love that kind of like looking in the, looking in the salty mirror and saying, you know, it was me. I'm evil. <laughs> but I do think this is pretty low salt. Uh, you know, obviously that gruel player was probably pretty salty. <laughs> yeah, we might have to adjust for them. Yeah. <laughs> but for, for what OK Cauliflower is doing here, they're all good. Keep doing this, baby. This is a great move. Yeah. Everything that's been said is uh, what I would have said. So totally agree. Kind of low. But we don't know what the gruel player was feeling. I think if it was posted by them, it would have been a very, very different story. Maybe in all caps. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, gruel players only post in all caps, but it would have been all caps with a lot of exclamation marks too. Oh man, that's a that's like a pin right there. There's a sticker. That's amazing. It's yeah. a good line. All right. So, what else do you have for us, Sam? So, I got another one here. Yes, and this is <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> uh, this is a longer one. So, you know, I'm going to read through the whole thing. I don't think it's super, super long, but this is a good one. It did spur, you know, people who are haunting the EDH subreddit like myself 
may recognize this one because it did spur like five or six offshoot posts where oh, people goodness. were all talking about this topic. This one also got pretty highly upvoted as far as the EDH subreddit goes, where upvotes are rare. You know, this one almost hit 500, which is saying something. And it's got like 400 comments on it. Wow. <laughs> so this is like a gold mine when it comes to the EDH subreddit. And this one comes to us from user acceptable load 3542. <laughs> this mic, mic gives me such a look. Oh, raise the eyebrow there. Yeah. <laughs> How is my load? Acceptable. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut all that out. <laughs> that out of there. <laughs> Or leave it in, which is usually nah. what, I, what I do when I say <laughs> cut it out. I just fucking leave it in. So if you guys see user acceptable load 3542, give them an acceptable upvote and you know spread some of that goodwill. And this is titled, Is There a Gentleman's Agreement to Not Take Too Long Turns? And the post goes, So I have a friend with which I play online from time to time, plus two random people. I can't say how long turns last on LGS tables, but online, I've had the time to use a stopwatch to count how long each user's turn is because I was bored. The difference was significant. While me and random people usually take around four to seven minutes per turn, my friend is in the 15 to 25 minute range per turn, in all caps. Obviously, the first few turns are faster and the latter turns are the long ones. I told him this fact, but the answer... <laughs> I told him this fact, but have gotten answers like, one, if someone does not like the time I take, he shouldn't be playing with me. Two, I need the time to think about my turns. Three, I don't care if people dislike it. I want to find the perfect play each turn. To which I more or less responded, okay, the time you take to think about the right play is not the only issue here. Sometimes you just randomly chat with people about non-issues. Sometimes you are taking ages to resolve simple triggers, such as draw a card. These things could be used to save time without sacrificing your time to strategize. To which he again replied, I'm not going to change the way I play. Oh, well. I told him that this is low-key disrespectful of other people's time because, and this is in bold, y'all, there is a gentleman's agreement that especially with four players, everyone should at least try to hurry because if everyone would take 15 to 25 minute turns, the game would last five hours. To which he said, this must be a joke. You can't be serious. How do you see it? What is your limit with turn duration? The game that has led to this discussion has ended because eventually, two hours and 30 minutes, one of the players just left because he was so frustrated with waiting. <laughs> oh, no. What do you guys think about this? That's never good. Uh, I think it's tough. I think that the person that's taking long turns probably doesn't feel like it is. They probably just feel like they're playing the rate they play at. They're probably feeling like it's a casual format, like mm -hmm. it's fine for things to take time. But I know that this would be super frustrating to play against for, for everybody else. And I think I think one small thing that I would change about this is, is I don't think there's a gentleman's agreement to take short turns because there's just mm -hmm. turns that have to be long. But I do think that there is a gentleman's agreement to continue taking game actions like the game should never be at a full halt you know someone might take a minute two minutes if you sit and look at a clock for a minute it's so long so someone might take about a minute to figure out a decision but otherwise like game actions generally should be kind of plodding along yeah 
I think it's a communication thing as well. I think everyone has been at a point where they, as we like to say, get in the tank. You know, you are, you are just deep thinking about your turn, thinking about the strategy, something pivotal is about to happen and you need to really figure out your sequencing. And we have a really good practice in our play group where we just tell the other people, we just say, Hey, I'm sorry, guys, I'm taking a long time. I'm really thinking this through or, you know, just keep that communication going. So people mm -hmm. aren't just thinking you're like dicking around or playing on your phone or zoning out. Mm -hmm. And I think as long as you kind of keep that going, that's kind of the courtesy that gets offered here. Obviously, if every single one of your turns is getting into that 15 to 25 minute zone, there's probably something wrong there. Maybe you're not as familiar with your deck. You know, uh, we love to goldfish our decks. For people who don't know what that means, that's where you just kind of play your deck as if you're playing against no opponents, just sort of running through the turns and running through your game actions. And for some more complex decks, that can really help. Like I have Agave Guru of the Spores deck. It's just full of triggers, activated abilities stacked on top of each other. And for me, running through that and goldfishing it gets those sequences a little bit more familiar. So then at the table, I'm eating up less time. So like maybe that's an issue here, but I mean, 15 to 25 is a pretty crazy amount of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's all in what's causing the delays because when I mentioned player behavior is more what gets my salt score up, mm. this is, wasting time is way up there on the salt score for me. Like if I am in an LGS and see someone just like doing nothing on their phones, especially on their own turn, oh, that is the worst. And talking to people on your own turn is fine. Hopefully it's not like a, a long side conversation, but telling people, hey, I'm going to go in the tank for a minute. This is going to be a long turn. I'm playing Joyra. Um, yeah, that's fine. Like I, I've seen a million of those turns. I love to watch them go off. Just be doing something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like the point that Sam was making earlier about communication sometimes being really key on some of those things. Like not only will we say, hey, I'm about to go in the tank, but if someone is just sitting there not doing something, we're pretty open to someone just saying, so what are you going to do? Like yeah. where, you know, if, if we've been sitting there for two minutes and nothing's happened, it's what are you doing? What's your next move? What's your action? Or if we're having a side conversation and it's gone on for a long time, someone will say, so where are we in the game? You know, and there's, it's like totally reasonable to just check back in about some of those things. One thing I do want to hop back to real quick is don't let yourself feel too pressured to go through your turns quickly mm -hmm. because one of the things that has helped me get better at magic over the last few years has been trying to look through what my line is what do i think my opponent's line is have there been indications that they might have removal like mm. you, you don't need to rush yep. through your turn and just play on curve or say oh i've only got three cards in hand i just want to play something to draw cards like take your time take a breath take your turn but don't stand there for 10 minutes doing nothing. Yeah. And that's especially true. I mean, you know, we've talked about this a few times or, or we talk about this pretty much every episode, but this is especially true when you're playing at the higher power levels like CDH hmm. where, you know, our, our pod plays a combination of casual games and CDH. We kind of flip back and forth. And at those higher power levels, you really do need to sequence correctly. And like you said, Pat, you need to be aware of like everything that's going on around you. You need to be thinking of, okay, what did Mike just play on his last turn? Is he indicating that he might have some kind of card in his hand? Is he going to be going off next turn? Do I need to like play with my resources and make sure I'm keeping mana up? 
you know, there's a myriad of examples there, but you need to really be thinking through that stuff. And the best way to practice doing that and getting better at it is to take your time and really assess. And often, at least for me, often I will move too quickly and then I make a mistake. And, And that's a learning experience as well. But sometimes having the courtesy of time, especially with friends, um, is something that can really help you learn the game in a better way. I'm not sure if that's what's going on with uh, with this person's friend in the post. Maybe it is, but maybe they also just like a more relaxed style of play, you know? Also, to Pat's point of player behavior being the most frustrating thing, I think in this post, the duration of time is one frustrating component of playing with this friend. But I think the lack of accountability and like response to it of that's a you problem and not a me problem. I think that's really the worst part about the post to me. That's the saltiest part of the post is not being willing to say, oh, look, my friend is nicely asking for me to do something that will increase the ability for them to enjoy doing something I like doing with them. For your response to that to not be okay. Like, let me try and get better. Let's try and have more fun while we're playing this game is just kind of confusing to me. Makes me think that this would have, you know, this player would have a lot of other attitude pieces that would make them not fun to play with. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, (laughs) maybe this is a far out analogy, but it's kind of like if you're eating food with somebody and you're like, hey, uh, dude, when you chew with your mouth open and make like a bunch of gross food sounds, it's really unpleasant. And no one likes to be around you when you do that. And they're just like, yeah, well, that's how I chew. And you actually can't tell me how I chew because this is just how I chew. And if people don't like how I chew, then they can't eat food with me. It's like, well, I'm just trying to help you out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a pretty good one, uh, especially because <laughs> then at some point, you might just not eat food with them anymore, you know? And I think that there's a risk of this happening for these two players where it sounds like they like playing together, but that's going to be an issue eventually. And it's already impacting their games enough that players are leaving. Like I wouldn't be able to put up with that too, too long. Yeah. I mean, a two and a half hour game is incredibly long. And, you know, if this person truly is taking, even if they're just taking 10 minute turns out of a two and a half hour game, I mean, you're getting to like, you're only getting like turn turn 10 or mm. or maybe a little bit beyond that and and i can only imagine that that slow play extends to responding to instance on other people's turns you know there's so much more than that you're not just eating up time on your own turn generally speaking when when that's a problem so just to wrap it up here what do you guys think about like the salt rating here and and kind of where is the salt because there's a few different things going on in this post I think the salt score here is pretty high. And I think the salt is really coming from the player behavior and his friend's response in saying, I I see you have a problem with me taking longer turns, but I don't want to address that. And um, I think that response is beautifully salty. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's a sort of a reflective amount of salt back and forth. It's like, hey, I'm getting upset that you're taking so long. And now I'm upset that you're upset. And now I'm upset that you're upset that I'm upset. Um, so I think I think the salt is high here. And I know which side I think is justified in having salt um, as well. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you guys. You know, this is definitely a high salt situation. Um, I think that uh, user acceptable load is totally in their right to bring this to the subreddit, say like, 
hey, this is kind of a whack situation, isn't it, everyone? And pretty much everybody is like, yeah, this is fucked up and stupid. (laughs) And, you know, one thing I will say is that there are a lot of posts on the EDH subreddit about like, what gets you salty? What's the saltiest thing that happens to you? I mean, I've asked that question from our account on, on the various EDH or the various Magic the Gathering subreddits. And one of the common denominators is people taking extremely long turns where things don't happen. We talk about it here on, on our show a lot as well. And it's either somebody just slow playing, inattentive, not really thinking what they're doing, uh, not thinking of their turns in advance, needing to be like reminded of the board state when their turn comes around, or it's somebody who's taking so many compound game actions on top of themselves. And then nothing is really happening with it. You know, like someone going off on a 20 minute joy return. And then at the end, they just pass the turn and nothing really happens. Mm-hmm. I think whenever you are in a situation where you are sitting back and watching someone else eat up time in the game, you start to disengage a little bit. And you really need that engagement to continually enjoy the, the passage of the game. Yeah. There's nothing saltier than sitting down to play some magic and not getting to play magic. And that can yeah. happen a <laughs> number of ways. And people taking way too long on their turns is one of the prime ways of that happening. Yep. I will say, as a stacked player, I resent that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do too. I mean, you know, w- at least with stacks, there's some enjoyment at the table for me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Stacks is now you have to play weird magic, but you still kind of, yeah. usually get to kind of play. It's, yeah. You're still it's playing slightly the different. There's a nuance there. It's just weird magic. It's like, hey, hey guys, what if we the crazy idea? What if we only played one spell per turn? (laughs) (laughs) What if all our spells cost one more mana? Wouldn't that be so much fun? (laughs) Yeah. What if we only got to untap one land a turn? Wouldn't that be wild? (laughs) Hang on, it's gonna be a fun one. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. So good. Yeah, it's funny not having Tony because he isn't a stacks player, even though he does play stacks in a CDH decks and he will deny it. Mm. Um, but it's funny because the three of us here are stacks players <laughs> to yeah. varying capacities. Don't don't hit unsubscribe, dear listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I swear we're we're kind of heart. <laughs> play stacks out of love. It's mostly for the CDH table sometimes. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> oh man i'm totally going off book here but somebody recently said something on the magic tcg subreddit and um they said boy do i hate stacks and hate bears but they're healthy for the format that's a great attitude to have yeah that's such a good attitude yeah. like they suck to play against but man they crush the strongest strategies and sometimes you need that shit yeah definitely one of the best lessons I ever learned to stay positive for EDH is learn to love losing to new things. Mm. Every, every time somebody beats me in a new way, I am excited about it, or at least I try to be. <laughs> yeah. And that pairs really nicely with if you're losing to the same thing over and over again, that's on you. I yeah. think those two attitudes go hand in hand. That was a huge lesson for me early on in my magic life was if I'm losing to something, I have to beat it. I can't just expect someone to play nice. yeah yeah definitely especially if you're in like a nicely insulated pod you know that's a time to like look at your deck and reconstruct and and rebuild so well hey guys i think it is time i think it's that very special time every week 
we return it over to Mike and we say, Mike, what's the salty card of the week? All righty. This card is Jin Gitaxius Core Augur. It's eight and two blue for a legendary creature, Praetor, with flash at the beginning of your end step, draw seven cards, and each opponent's maximum hand size is reduced by seven. It's a five four. So, Pat, does this card make you salty? If I'm the one playing it, no way. But <laughs> well, of I course. will say. Dis- discarding discarding your entire hand is one of the worst feelings you can have in magic. So I'm going to say, yeah, this is one of the saltiest cards you can see. However, I feel like most times someone is able to play it unless it's being reanimated. It's been earned. Mm. All right, Sam, does this make you salty? Most definitely. First of all, I forgot that this motherfucker had flash. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that like... That brings it up to a whole nother level. Granted, if the blue player is holding up like eight goddamn mana, you better expect like 10 mana. 10? Yeah, it's suspicious. If the blue player is holding up 10 mana, you better expect some crazy shit to come off. But like Pat said, reanimation, man. Necromancy is an enchantment you can cast at instant speed and it's fucking three mana. And you could like dump this dude out. Yeah, I mean, this is is a salty card, 100%. Discard in general just rubs me the wrong way, but this is almost like a whole nother category of that. I'd, I'd almost call it like hand denial. You know, right. it's basically saying you cannot have a hand and you can't maintain that hand turn after turn. It's a pretty unique effect. And also to give the advantage of drawing a fresh seven for the other player, it's just like, yeah, I mean, that that is an extremely powerful effect. I will say appropriately costed. But mm-hmm. but just the ability to cheat him with your graveyard, uh, sneak attack in with Obeka and the turn. Like there's so many ways to get it in, and uh, and just have that effect stick. But that's brutal. Yeah, I think I'm at the same spot as you guys. I mean, this is a game altering effect at its core, and it's definitely one of those things that's going to stop people from playing Magic. You know, we just talked about that being one of the saltiest experiences when you don't get to play. And with this, if you aren't drawing anything good off the top of your deck, you don't get to play. And there's basically one cycle of the of the table, one turn cycle of the table. And if it's not removed, everybody's top decking from then on out. It's just it's just a almost guaranteed slow death for everybody involved. We've all had that situation at some point in our magic careers where you are hellbent. Uh, for those who don't know that term, it's when when you're you have no cards in hand. And every turn that comes by is you are just top decking Mm -hmm. and there's no shittier feeling. And maybe that happened because you played out all your gas too soon uh, and you're just left with nothing. Maybe you don't have enough card draw. Maybe you just built a shitty deck, like whatever. It happens to everybody. It's happened to me tons of times. And there is no worse feeling than just being like, am I going to be able to do something this turn? Nope. Another shitty card. (laughs) Not the card I needed. I guess I will play a land and pass. And then you get to that point where, where you're even like keeping a couple land in your hand. So people think you have a hand when really you don't. That's the Jin Gitaxius doesn't even let you do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't even bluff that you have a hand. <laughs> so painful. Man, I forgot about the Praetors. I, I am looking forward to working our way through all five of the originals and probably the five new ones that are currently getting printed or will be printed. Do you really think the new ones are that salty? 
Uh, I mean, Urabrask sucks, but the other ones are good. <laughs> so I think we skipped it, but the fourth saltiest card is Vorinclex, Voice of Wonder. Oh, maybe yeah. we maybe we do a double salty card of the week right now because yeah, let's sure. do it. Let's do it. Cool. So this is the other Praetor. We skipped it because the previous episode we had talked about Stasis, Winter Orb, and Static Orb. So, which are the top three, right? Which are the yeah. top three. So I should have grouped in the fourth, but the Amazing. fourth is Vorinclex, Voice of Hunger. It's six, two green for a legendary creature Praetor. It has Trample, and whenever you tap a land for mana, add one mana to your mana pool of any type that land produced, and whenever an opponent taps a land for mana, that land doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. That's a 7-6. So I skipped it because it's super similar to Stasis and Winter Orb, um, and just then it's basically this land denial effect. But yep. it also ramps you. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing, man. Yeah. That's the thing with the Praetor cards. Not only are they a backbreaking effect, they also give out this crazy advantage to the player who played them. Like yeah. you're you're drawing seven cards a turn. You are tapping for double land. You know, the other Praetors have like insane effects. All the new ones that are being printed, except for Urbrask, you fucking suck. Uh, they all have <laughs> great effects. I mean, it's it's like pretty crazy. You know, there are some stacks pieces out there that are asymmetrical, right? Like Collector Oof makes it so all artifact activated abilities can't be activated. Karn, the creator? Great creator, correct. Is the asymmetrical version of that. That's only hitting your opponents now. You can still play with artifacts as much as you want. So there are these asymmetrical stacks pieces that exist that are already incredibly powerful on their own. And this is an asymmetrical stacks piece or an asymmetrical effect, maybe not truly stacks, depending on which one you're picking, but it's an asymmetrical effect that is also giving you an advantage that's equal and opposite in the other direction. Everyone can only tap their mana every other turn. You get double mana every turn. Like it, it's just, it's just crazy, man. Yeah. These cards are salt inducing. Yeah. And there's something about them just being these big, chonky timmy cards too that honestly yeah. normally is a redeeming quality for a card but for some reason just makes these even worse in some ways yeah they're also just on these big fat bodies that you can like swing in with and not really worry about like it, they are just truly powerful cards the one thing i will say is again they're very appropriately costed i mean these are these are hard cards to get in obviously you can cheat them in there are lots of ways to do that like pat said if you are just straight up paying the mana for it you deserve to get that effect in because you yeah. you you did the legwork. I think it's sometimes cards like these that have pushed me towards mono de colored deck building. Cards like Jenga Taxis and Vornklex can be cheated out in a lot of ways, and that I think makes them feel the worst. But if you play a mono green deck and you're hard casting Vornklex or you're hard casting your Jenga Taxis in mono blue, hey, have at it, man. <laughs> It's almost like a win con at some levels. Yeah, you on know? its own. It's like, hey, what yeah. are you going to do about this? Well, I think that's it for the Salty Card of the Week. It was a surprise doubleheader Salty Card of the Week. So hopefully, you know, go drink a glass of water because that's a bit of extra salt. <laughs> um, but there it is. Hopefully the Magic the Gathering population as a whole doesn't hate our double feature as much as they hated Wizards. <laughs> yeah this episode will come out in black and white and uh <laughs> but but the art won't be any better <laughs> oh man 
what a what a lame set that was. Good lord! I, the only one good thing about that set, I will just toss in here, is that uh, a lot of the cards from it are super cheap because people don't like them as much. <laughs> I like the black and white full art lands; those are pretty nice. I picked up a black and white Thalia for like two dollars or three dollars less than a regular one. It was crazy. Yeah. People wow. just hate it. Yeah, people are like, "This people this card fucking it. sucks." Like, okay. <laughs> Is this a printer? Yeah. <laughs> Where's the ink? <laughs> well, thanks for sticking with us through the whole episode, everybody. You know, this is the Howling Salt Mine podcast. We really appreciate you guys tuning in every week and listening to us just kind of joke around and, and talk about salt and talk about this game that we all love. If you guys aren't already doing it, we would really appreciate it if you would like follow us on social media, subscribe to our podcast and whatever podcast app you're using. I mean, hey, if you want to go the extra mile, rate us five stars, put a little salty story in there. That would be really crazy and dope and amazing. And we would like that forever. Yeah, Yeah, we would like that very much. Mm -hmm. Very much. And Pat, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on our episode and filling in for Tony. Oh, thank you. Tony might be looking for a job, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If he and Nick ever (laughs) stop killing me in EDH games, maybe I'll be able to take their job. Oh, man. We have to talk about that next time you come on. (laughs) That's such a good salty moment. We definitely got to talk about that next time. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So again, everybody to the the listeners out there, and you can find us on Reddit. Our username is the Howling Salt Mine. We're usually on the EDH subreddit. Sometimes we cross over into the Magic TCG subreddits. We're posting there weekly, announcing our weekly episodes, usually asking, hopefully, an interesting question to, to the subreddits. We also have an Instagram, where the Howling Salt Mine on Instagram. Feel free to follow us there as well. And another thing that we would really love is email us. We have a Gmail account. It's thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com. If you guys have a salty story, we would love to hear it from you. If this is a story where you got really salty and you want to tell us about something that happened to you, or better yet, a story where you did something dope and cool and you made your friends salty. We also really love what we call salty confessionals, where you did something, you feel really bad, and you just want someone to, to kind of commiserate with. We are that person for you. I could write a small novel about all the times I was overly salty and felt really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and when you do send in those stories to us, you know, as always, we ask you guys to keep it short, sweet, and to the salt. Feel free to send something in that's a little bit more lengthy, but just know that we might have to edit that for time on the show. So guys, do you have anything you want to plug? Pat, do you have anything that we could we could boost up for you? Hmm. One very small thing, I guess. Um, recently, and I say recently, probably within the last month, uh, Ken of Clark Sakashima fame posted a primer template for people to write their own primers on Boxfield. That's awesome. And it, it's really well made. Uh, it has like lots of nice different sections to use. I think it's on his Twitter and uh, I believe it's in his Discord if anybody wants it. The name of that Discord for you is The Thumbless. And uh, I'm sure you can find it on his Twitter. That's amazing. I always have visions of grandeur of making these amazing primers. And then they just end up being like two shitty paragraphs. So <laughs> that is awesome. What a great resource. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to write one for Rurik Thar, but that sort of feels like trying to write a novel about like throwing sticks at the wall. It's a pretty simple deck. <laughs> yeah. Better be in all caps though. <laughs> yeah, it better be. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mike? You have anything to plug? 
yeah, uh, I'm still streaming. I might be on a break by the time this episode comes out. Uh, I'll be on a break all of August, but otherwise, uh, weekdays from two to five at twitch.tv slash silo Turk. I'm streaming pretty much every day and it's a good time. I just hit mythic and limited for the first time this season and keep wow. planning on pushing higher to try and get, get it. better numbers. So, oh, I got raided by numb at the nummy the, the other day. That was fucking Yo. sweet so wow. shout out to him congratulations shout out to him for the raid i think he left right away but i appreciated it so check out his stream too he's if still- you got nothing else to do he's awesome man he's gonna get so yeah. big now that we shouted him out yeah now that he's got the <laughs> shout out from the, the nice early podcast he's gonna actually get yeah. some traction finally what's an episode of two or game nights yeah exactly right <laughs> josh lee who <laughs> Uh, I have to I have to cut that Pat. We might collaborate with him one day. You never know. <laughs> He'll listen to our backlog and be like, what the fuck? That's also yeah, a terrible job of filling in for Tony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah t- Tony loves Josh Lee Quiet. He's the biggest JLK fanboy. I do like Josh Lee Quiet. Yeah, he's no, awesome. We do, we do too. We do too. Yeah, they're awesome. Uh so I also have a couple things to plug. The first thing I want to say is, like Mike said, Mike is gonna be gone for the month of August. You know, you guys out there in listener land, because of the magic of pre-recording and backlog episodes, you might only miss Mike for a handful of episodes, but we will have a few more guests coming on over the next couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, then then we're going to get back to the original three. And I do also want to plug a game store, actually. I want to plug the Battle Standard in East Windsor, Connecticut. Uh, my friend Jared runs this store. And I just want to shout him out. You know, he's been super supportive of the podcast and it's just a dope store. This is a store. He used to have one up in Massachusetts. And this is where me and all my friends would get together and play tabletop miniature games, you know, because we're super, super cool. We're that type of nerds. And this is also (laughs) where I like fell back in love with playing EDH and really got back into magic in a major way and just met a ton of my closest friends. So it's a super fun store. It's a really great community there. And you know, if you're in Connecticut, swing by and check it out. It's just a great shop to play. And if you're into tabletop miniature games, he's got some dope terrain tables, like really, really nice ones. It's just beautiful stuff. And Jared himself also is just an amazing miniature painter. And he does like custom models and stuff. He's it's definitely some something to check out if you are into that kind of stuff. I, I second that from the bottom of my heart. I learned about the battle standard a few years ago and I just uh, went there a few weeks ago to pick up a copy of Allosaurus Shepherd. No you know, support our local game stores. Hell and yeah. uh, they have some great t-shirts. I bought a few of their t-shirts. Yeah, it, it's a great store. Jared's a super good guy. The crew there runs deep and it's just a really fun community. Anywho, thanks again, everybody. We will see you next week. And as always, stay salty and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the howling songline. The howling songline. Yeah, you guys have a good format so far. Thanks, nice man. Thanks, dude. We can just put everything nice Pat says is like the first <laughs> 10 minutes of that. <laughs> you need, you need my, me girl, as like those, my uh, girlfriend doesn't mind listening to this. Yeah. Just have a nice format. Have, have that on like the, uh, the front of the VHS box of Blockbuster. <laughs> wow. Girlfriends mind. don't mind it. Don't mind. <laughs>